If you will, please stand with me at the reading of God's holy word. I'll tell you before we read that I'm calling this sermon a confrontation with the king. A confrontation with the king. And what I want you to see as we read is two very different responses to a confrontation with the king. And consider how you will respond to him. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook At the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke. And I said. Woe is me. For I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen The king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy. And blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitants and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. As we move from this passage, before we go through it, I want to ask you, 
What do you do when you've been found out? I assume you know what I'm talking about. That we've all been busted at one time or another. I don't know about you, but I prefer to be in the confronting role of that equation and, and not so much in the being found out role. Uh, I can even re- remember one, one specific incident when I was in the confronting role and I found my little girl. <laughs> I just my little one-year-old daughter, literally hand in the cookie jar. Uh, what's the problem with that? I mean, we've got to have kids eating cookies later. We got kids always going for the cookies. Well, the problem is if it's nap time, and you're supposed to be in bed, and you're supposed to always have permission before you get the cookie. Uh, but my one-year-old was so very little when she was found out that the best she could do was share. So right after the kind of guilty look, she offered me a cookie and I laughed at her as, I don't want your cookie. Uh, sometimes being found out is cute. And we can probably take off the cute because often um, being found out is not cute. I'm guessing you've been found out in far worse moments than when you took a cookie and you weren't supposed to. I know I have. And it's one thing when it's a pushover daddy who finds you out. What do you do when you're found out by someone who wants no share in what you're doing? The simple encouragement that I want you to leave with from Isaiah chapter 6 is this. When you're found out, fess up. When you're found out, fess up. That's an old-timey word, I guess, for confessing, admitting. Say what you did. Isaiah has a confrontation with the king. And it comes to us in two parts. First, he saw the king and then he hears a question. And his confrontation can be really helpful to to everyone who, who listens to this because 
We learn from his confrontation that, that the most wonderful thing happens to anyone who will fess up. But we also learn that the most terrible thing happens to everyone who won't. So point number one, we see in verses one through seven, a man who's found out a man who's found out. Now, uh, we've not been in the book of Isaiah, so let me orient us. Uh, chapters 1 through 5, right before this chapter, it's laying out for us the not-so-good situation that Isaiah finds himself in. God's people have become so ungodly that all Isaiah can say to them in chapter 5 is woe. And woe is another old-timey word. It's not woe like wow. That's cool. Uh, it, it's Woe, uh, in, the, in the mouth of a prophet anyway, means you're going to get it. And he says this over and over to the people of God. And, and it, it's explained to us at the end of chapter 5. Look in verse 24. What's going to happen to them is the tongue of fire is going to devour them. Like, like as if they were dry grass. For, listen. They have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts and have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. And it's out of that that we get chapter 6 where Isaiah actually becomes the one who is going to bring the word to these people who hate it. It says in verse 1, Uzziah, the king of God's people, who had reigned for 52 years, he's, he's died. And, and, and then, out of that national tragedy and the uncertainty that Isaiah would be experiencing, stepping into this office, he has this confrontation with God. That Well, it, Isaiah finds out. In a fresh way, that God is the king. Again, in verse one, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood these angels who were covering their face and their feet and, and, and flying. And, and, and one is calling to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then when that angel says this, the foundations of the thresholds of the temple shake at his voice. And the whole house is filled with smoke. Isaiah is confronted with the king's holiness. It's not a comfortable confrontation. But it is a crucial confrontation. And I want us to have one. So. I just want for a few moments to stare. Into the blinding sun. Of this holy king. 
The king's holiness is exceptional. We got to know that first of all. Because if you're like me, when you think of the word holy, you might even start to think of certain people. I mean, I, I think of Linda's faithfulness. I think of Travis's uprightness. I think of Susan's gentleness. And we have great examples right here in this room. And as A.W. Tozer tells us, we cannot grasp the true meaning of God's holiness by thinking of someone or something very pure. And then just raising the concept to the highest degree we're capable of. The natural man cannot even imagine God's holiness. I mean, just look at these seraphim, these angels. They're, they're, they're seraphim, which means burning ones. They are burning with purity. And even they have to cover their eyes. Because the one that they are worshiping is so much more holy than them. In the Hebrew language, to, to communicate a superlative, you, you would repeat something. Uh, so if you said something twice, twice, that mean, would mean the most. So I, I remember this very experience. When I saw Kelly for the first time in March of 2018... I knew she was pretty, pretty. I don't mean a little pretty. I mean the most pretty girl ever. The only time in the Bible where something's repeated three times is here. It's not just twice. He's holy, holy, holy. His holiness is exceptional, but... The king's holiness is also encroaching. The, the angels say that the whole world is full of his glory. You might think like, like a balloon is full of, of breath. Well, the whole world is full of the glory of this king. And you can think of glory maybe by, by, by just thinking of it like, it's holiness being made visible to people. And yet, I, I don't feel like I'm often appreciating all the glory that's always around me. I'm not often seeing or aware of uh, what one man refers to as the awe-inspiring majesty of the godness of God. And yet, the king's holiness is encroaching, and so one day the whole world is going to be confronted with what has always been there. The king's holiness is exceptional. It is encroaching, but it's also exposing. I don't know if you knew that a person's first words in the Bible... When a person first speaks in the Bible, we are being told all we need to know about their character. So let me give you just one example. Satan. His first words. 
did God really say? Isaiah, his first words, woe is me. This experience in chapter 6 happens before what we have in chapters 1 through 5. And so, yeah, Isaiah is about to say a lot of woes for all his sinful countrymen. But his first, you're going to get it. He says to himself. And I, I want you to see in verse 5 that when Isaiah has this first confrontation with the king. It is also leading to Isaiah's first confrontation with himself. Woe is me, for I now know I am lost. For I now know, now that I have seen with my eyes the king, that I am a man of unclean lips and everyone I know around me is, are just people of unclean lips. It's not until the king exposes the full intensity of all that he is. And power, all of his power, all of his truth, all of his grace, all of his kindness, that that then the king is also going to expose the full intensity of our weakness, of our dishonesty, of our gracelessness, of our cruelty. And I wonder if you had a confrontation with the king. Friends, you want to know what is one of the most dangerous things that can happen in all the universe? It's not being found out. We all want to get away with it. We're tempted to anyway. But learn this from Isaiah the king has already found all of us out. Isaiah's just catching up. And one aspect of God's holiness that we haven't talked about yet is actually just filling the entire scene and, and, and it's fire. These angels are burning angels. And verse Six, we have the house filling with smoke. We, we have an altar there that has burning coals on it. All the fire is representing the holiness of the king. This king 
has fiery eyes. That find out everything. Nothing is in darkness to him. Nothing can be hidden from him. Well, what should happen then? Obviously, the Holy One should consume every unholy thing in his presence in fiery judgment. And friends, Isaiah did not have just a cookie craving. He said a few bad words. Problem was, he wasn't found out by some sinful daddy. Isaiah was confronted with the king. And here is the shock. He's not consumed. Isaiah confesses. He confesses his guilt. And then the fire of this holy God cleanses him. A coal from an altar where sacrifices for sinners were burned was given to this angel. And that angel then takes that coal and puts it, notice, exactly where Isaiah confessed that he was guilty. And he applies it to his guilt. Exactly there, on his lips. And and when Isaiah fessed up for his sin, the Lord forgave him of that very sin. Right now we're just looking in on someone else's experience, Isaiah. And we didn't get to be there. But we are a lot like Isaiah. We live among a people a lot like he did. What might the burning holiness of the king expose in you? For me. What online online activity. That we've thus far gotten away with. Has he already found out. Or. All the ways that. We've cheated. Or not told the whole truth. Every way we've talked to our children. Or children. Every thought you've had when you've been angry at your parents. 
I want to encourage you not to do what everyone wants to do. Do not comfort yourself with comparing yourself to other sinners. Let me encourage you to not do what the world tells you to do, which God never tells you to do. And that is just to focus on forgiving yourself. You don't need to forgive yourself. You and I are guilty before God. It's his forgiveness that we need. Beloved, I know firsthand how hard it is to fess up. And I know you know that. I know you've probably experienced people who've found out and and who then unleashed. Painful rejection. And maybe you're realizing the truth, which however painful that was, those are just sparks. Compared to the fires that God has in his holiness. It's hard to fess up, but listen, take this from Isaiah. It's a good day to be found out. If you're found out by this king. Because Isaiah would tell you, I only fessed up. And then he forgave me. If you've been confronted with the holiness of God and 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 from that confrontation found out just how unholy you are and and yet you still what you deeply want is to be with this king don't respond to that by by thinking that this this king is cheap or easy to 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 to, to make up with no this king is so holy that only death can right our wrongs. That's why there's an altar in that room. And you and I are so unholy that only blood can make us clean. But, beloved, there's good news because there's an altar on Calvary. And the Son of God Himself shed His own blood to be a sacrifice For sinners. And God accepted his blood. So that he forgives anyone and everyone who simply fesses up. Will you trust him to do that for you? In that sin. That you thought no one found out. When Isaiah saw the king, he fessed up. But then he hears a question and he and we see how awful it is when you're confronted, but you will not confess. Verse 8. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Then I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Verse 10, 
make the heart of this people dull, their ears heavy, their their eyes blind, so that they would not see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, so that they would not turn and would not be healed. And then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitant. Point number two is from verses 8 through 13, where we see a people who won't fess up. Isaiah comes out of his encounter or his his confrontation with the king and and he's got these new purified lips. And so, so when he answers the king and his call, he becomes a prophet and he's ready to do that because now he has clean lips. He's no longer a man of unclean lips. He's going to say the truth. This is just an amazing king we serve. Who forgives Whosoever will fess up, but then will send them to serve him. And yet the Lord is shooting straight with Isaiah. Not every assignment from him. Is what we would want, perhaps. Because he tells Isaiah, not everyone is going to fess up whenever they're confronted. And that's because not everyone believes that they've actually been found out. Let me put it a different way. God's people are going to have a confrontation with the king every single time that Isaiah preaches. And yet they're not going to believe that the king is right and that they are wrong. They won't believe they need to be healed. They won't believe they need to be cleansed. They won't see that his holiness shows how unholy they are. Verse 10 says that Isaiah's preaching is going to make God's people not understand. So that they would not turn to the Lord. That is, they would not fess up the way that Isaiah just fessed up. And therefore, they will not be healed the way Isaiah was just healed. And the question is, healed of what? Well, of of these fat hearts, literally, these heavy ears, these blind eyes. I understand. You may be struggling with this. You think that's not kind of God. But you've got to be reading carefully. Because Isaiah is going to be confronting a people who, in verse 9, it makes explicit, have already heard. And they would not understand. They have already seen what he's shown. And they would not perceive. They chose not to do this. And because of their choice not to obey the king's word, God is going to now judge them by taking away their ability that they did have, that they didn't use, he takes away their ability to hear the king's word and to fess up and be forgiven. Now we can talk later about why that is, that he would do that. But let's just deal with this. What I'm dealing with right now is how convicted I am. 
that I don't always fess up right when I'm found out. Listen. Every single time you're found out, fess up. Do it immediately. God knew when was their last chance that his people had to fess up, they did not know. And so Isaiah in verse 11, faced with this kind of ministry, says, how long do I prophesy like this? How long are you going to punish them with this hardness of heart? And how long are you going to withhold your healing from them? And God says, until I separate them from me for their sins. And beloved, this, this happened to the nation of Israel about a hundred years after this. Babylon came and carried God's people away. Before anyone gets too far daring to accuse the Holy One of his decisions, I want you to revisit verse 13 with me. He's going to burn up the land, but a tenth will remain. And a holy seed will remain. He's going to leave behind survivors and out of those that remnant would be this holy seed. Now, we've heard or you haven't heard the word seed yet today, but it's throughout the book of Isaiah and it's code for a king, a human king who's going to come from the line of David. Now, he's not just a seed who he's going to leave behind. Uh, he's a holy seed. Now, that's a word we have heard today. And we know it's a quality that really only belongs to God. And yet this seed has it because this human king is also God. And we read earlier in John chapter 12 that when Isaiah had this confrontation, Isaiah 6, it said that he was being confronted with Jesus himself. And we know that one day, 700 years after Isaiah chapter 6, Jesus Christ went from being the king who Isaiah had seen on that day, who was high and lifted up in a throne room in heaven, to then being lifted up by sinful people in death on a cross. And beloved Redeemer Church, by his wounds, you have been healed. They could not be healed. And by his wounds, we have been healed. He found us. And he found us unbelieving. He found us unwilling. He found us unable to believe in him, unable to turn to him. And he just turned us around by his wounds. His death did something in us. So be encouraged. 
that we get to know the one that Isaiah did not get to see and the, those people did not get to experience. And every single time, listen, every single time that you fess up for something you've done wrong, you are just showing that he has forgiven you. You're showing that he's already healed you and you're showing that he's still in the forgiveness business. And yet the tragedy of Isaiah chapter 6 is just plain and simple. Not everyone is going to be forgiven. There will be some who refuse to listen. And it's terrible. And you need to understand, look, what happened to them, they got kicked out of their homes. Because they did not listen. What happens to us if we do not listen to the king is far worse. We will spend eternity away from him. Have you had a confrontation with the king today? I want people here who are not following Christ to listen to me. Listen. Every time you are in the congregation where God's word is preached, you are having a confrontation with the king. I'm asking, have you been found out today? Listen to what Jesus says. When I am lifted up. From the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Is he drawing you today? Will you fess up? Will you be forgiven? Lord Jesus, we pray that you would cause this word to bear much fruit you would cause everyone here to see you for who you are, to confess their sins and to be cleansed. What a great king you are. God, would you would you make everyone here soften their hearts so that they might fess up and be forgiven. And help us then to live with confidence of your forgiveness. And in obedience to your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.